0: Acts 28 part 2 from the sermon series Acts the Holy Spirit spoken by Pastor Peter on Good morning. Uh, Good morning to those in the gym sanctuary to everyone in the nursery as well. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Today is kind of like I don't even think it's a sweet moment. It's kind of a a bitter moment. It's a sad moment because uh, 14 months ago approximately about 60 weeks ago we took a journey uh, through the book of Acts And uh, for me, at least personally, and for our teaching team, It has been such an amazing experience to dig deep into the text week after week and to be able to share what God was doing in the very first church. Hopefully the 14 month journey has been as rich for you as it's been for us. We've learned a ton and really what we've unfolded in the past 14 weeks is is really uh, seeing that the early church lived out the the prophecy that Jesus gave to the disciples in Acts 1 verse 8. Remember what happened? He resurrected from the dead. He spent a brief time with the disciples. And in that time, he gives his prophetic word to them. If we have Acts chapter 1, verse 8, if you have your Bibles, I do think it's worth just opening up, especially if you have actually a physical Bible. If you brought a physical Bible in here, my goodness, you deserve some serious credit because we live in an electronic age today. But if you did, get your pens out. I think this verse should be our life verse, at least the verse that we look at regularly particularly in the next several weeks. It's Acts chapter eight. Here's what Jesus says to the disciples, and I believe he's saying to every single one of us here today as well. He says this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth this is a verse worth memorizing I believe but also if you have your highlighters or your pens and you have a physical Bible you really should underline that first part but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you for the past 14 months We've had sort of a front row seat of seeing what happens when the Holy Spirit comes with power to the disciples. We see what happens and it comes really in two beautiful forms that you and I have to see today. It comes in the form of through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think a lot of you know that. We do that every week as we come up here. But also it comes to the demonstration of the very power of Jesus Christ. And so as soon as Jesus gives his prophetic word, the very next chapter, the day of Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit falls on the disciples. There is something supernatural, something powerful, what happens? They start speaking in languages that they never learned before. People from the outside of the, of, of the building started to hear this. They started to come in to sort of investigate what was happening. Remember what happened in that, in early in that chapter? They didn't know how to sort of identify and make sense of what was happening. This is what usually happens. When we, when we can't make sense with our own human minds, when the power of the Holy Spirit falls upon his people, we often make silly conclusions. Because what the people said was that they said they must be drunk. And Peter says to them, are you crazy? Do you guys know what time it is? None of us would be drunk. And then he goes and he does what one, one facet of what it means when we have the Holy Spirit and its power. He proclaims so boldly the gospel of Jesus Christ and it says at the end of chapter two, it says that 3,000 people was added to the early church that day. It was amazing. It was amazing. And what we find, and if I'm just gonna be very honest, I think one of the things that we've really lost in the church today is that we have done a great job in terms of this proclamation of the gospel. We do that every week as we come here. We focus so much of it. In fact, I do know that for many of you, you come here to hear the proclamation of the gospel. I do believe even in your own life, when somebody were to maybe ask you some things about God or Jesus Christ, some of you have the ability to proclaim and just to testify, even through your own story, that Jesus Christ is truly alive and you would share personally how that's happened to you in your life. But one of the things that we've really forfeited today in the 21st century is this aspect of the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. We've really forfeited that in the church today and it's no wonder why the church struggles so much today to reach people who don't know Jesus Christ because we've left out a huge facet of the ministry of the early church of what the early church did. Jesus Christ proclaimed the gospel throughout the gospels, but he also demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm going to be very honest with you, I am somebody who has been guilty of this for the past 15 years of our church. For the past 15 years of our church, I have focused so much on the power, on the proclamation of the gospel. And there is a certain power to that when we do that, but I have really neglected this aspect of the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until the summer where the Holy Spirit really came upon me in such a way where I began to go deeper into in, in getting to know the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm seeing the beauty of this. And as, we're, as we've been on this for the past 60 weeks, as we've been uh, uh, trying to help you to see this aspect of the disciples proclaiming the gospel, we also see that this is such a heavy aspect of them also demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe today, if you are here today, today and you believe you're a follower of Jesus Christ, One of the ways in how we can fulfill Acts chapter 1-8 is to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit is when we get to a point where we not only proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that He is alive, but that we actually allow the Holy Spirit to use us to demonstrate His power. The Holy Spirit today wants to use you to demonstrate His power. And I would say that if Jesus was here today, He would say to you, what he said to the disciples 2,000 years ago. This is what he would say to us. Can we put Acts chapter 1-8 up again? He would use Metro. We will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Englewood and in all of Bergen County, all of New Jersey, and to the ends of the earth. As we close out this series today in Acts chapter 28, the Apostle Paul is gonna teach you and me how we can be Christians where we can not only proclaim that Jesus is alive and declare that, but we can also demonstrate his power. And if you listen closely, I do believe today could be one of those pivotal moments for you where you allow God to use you to demonstrate the very power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 28. We're gonna look at verses 11 through 31. Acts 28, 11 through 31. After three months, so they were in the island of Malta for how long? For three months. For three months. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods Castor and Pollux. It was probably a ship that was filled with grain, like the ship that was destroyed three months ago. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we received Ptolelai. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called. Together, the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you And talk with you it is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain they replied we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you but we want to hear what your views are for we know that people everywhere are talking against this sect they are arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to a place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from the morning till evening explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say you will be ever hearing but never understanding you will be ever seeing but never perceiving for this people's hearts has been calloused they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes otherwise they might see with their eyes hear with their ears understand with their hearts and turn I would heal them therefore I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen for two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him he proclaimed The kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of God. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. So God, I pray that at this time, as we open as we look at this last chapter and conclude this fourteen month series, God whisper in every one of our ears today. Affirm so boldly that you want to use every person in this room to demonstrate your power to others. I pray, God, that we would not make this about us, but that we would make it about you. And like Paul, that we would learn how important it is to be obedient to you and not talk ourselves out of things that, God, you want to do. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us as we unpack this passage. I pray you would set the captives free today in this room. And I pray Lord that there would be such an eagerness and a passion to engage and go deeper and God that all of us in this room could say we want more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So I pray that the words that come out of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts in this room, I pray God that it would indeed be pleasing unto you. And all of God's people said amen, amen. Well, Uh, Why do we have to get to a place? Some of you probably say, well why do I have to do this Peter? Why do I have to demonstrate uh, God's power? Why do I have to do that? Why do we even have to proclaim? Some of you think it's an option to proclaim uh, that the gospel message that Jesus is alive and to demonstrate the very power of God. Why do we need to do this? The reason why we need to do this is because God has charged you and I to fulfill the greatest purpose of all of humanity and that is to advance his kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. Do you believe that today, amen? It truly is here. The kingdom of God is here. In fact, Jesus Christ in the gospel is the thing he declares the most. He wants people to know that because he's here, because he's entered into human history, he wanted them to know that the kingdom of God is here. Kingdom of God is mentioned twice in this passage, all right? And so it is really an important thing for you and I to see. God wants you to demonstrate his power, not so that you could look good. No, God wants you to demonstrate his power so that the kingdom of God could be established in this world. The kingdom of God is simply a kingdom where Jesus Christ is the ruler. Amen? That is the kingdom of God. Some of you may say, what is the kingdom of God? It is the place where Jesus reigns. It is the kingdom where no one else rules except for Jesus Christ. This is why the church is still so important to our own Christian faith and to our lives simply because the church is the only place in this world where we have declared that the kingdom of God is here. It's the church. Every one of us who is here today, I hope you believe that Jesus Christ is our king. And we come here and we serve the one ruler and ruler of all, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. And God wants you and I to dedicate our lives to dedicating it to advancing his kingdom, to let people know that there is a king who loves them, who came and died for them on the cross. He wants you to use that, he wants you to proclaim that truth, but he also wants you to demonstrate his power like the early church did, like we see Jesus doing as well. Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man, and when Jesus did miraculous things in the gospel, he didn't do it in his his divinity, he did it in his humanity, but the difference was that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's something that you and I need to know today, right? And so God wants us to demonstrate his power so that his kingdom could be advanced, but the problem for a lot of us is that we don't do that. And we're so focused because we're so focused on advancing our own kingdom. It's an obsession of ours. God didn't create you, put you on this planet so that you can create your own kingdom. And unfortunately, we do that in the church a lot. We, we do it, we live our lives, and we prioritize just for ourselves. And it's no wonder why a lot of us, we struggle with this sense of emptiness, with a, with a hollowness in our heart many times because you're doing what God did not create you to do. God didn't create you to create your own kingdom and to establish it. For some of us, success and wealth and that kind of forward advancement that the American culture teaches, we, we've drank the Kool-Aid and we've sort of put some spirituality around it, like we packaged it with some spiritual paper, and we think that's okay, but at the end of the day, if you're really going to ask yourself the question, whose kingdom are we building? Are we building God's kingdom or are we actually building our own? And we're struggling with that reality. For some of you you think it's okay to, 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 to give yourself to God in some ways, but you give yourself more to building the kingdom of your family's name. And you do what your parents tell you to do. You do what your parents have sort of, sort of created a path for you because you have to create and continue the legacy of your family name. That's not the kingdom that God calls you to build. He calls you to build his kingdom where Jesus Christ is truly our king, amen? Amen. And some of you don't even want to, but you end up building a, a false kingdom of a false you. Because of some of the deep, profound hurts and pains you've gone through, you have created a false sense of self where you've created this imposter where people see this person, but it's not you. And that's why every day you live your life, there's a deeper sense of uh, emptiness that happens because you are introducing yourself to the world of somebody that's not you. And there's a slow death that begins to happen. There's a less sense of peace and hope. And you create this fake kingdom where you don't even know who you really are because there's something so deep that's going on in your own lives. God has called us to transform his kingdom. He's called us to establish it, and how we do that, one of the ways in how we do that is demonstrating his power. So today, could you surrender your, the desire to want to advance your kingdom? And could you make a commitment to want to advance the kingdom of God? When you've made that commitment, then you're ready to demonstrate his power. How do we do it? How do we do it? There are four things that Paul teaches us and how we can demonstrate his power. The first one is simply this. We demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit when we are thankful and encouraged in all things. Folks, this is the foundation of how God's power can begin to be demonstrated in our lives. Look at verse 15. Let the brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming and they traveled as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. Paul was thankful, he was encouraged to see these Roman Christians, because he wrote a letter to them about three years ago saying that I hope to come and see you one day so that I can be with you. Well, that moment finally happened. Even though Paul was still in chains, it finally happened, he was grateful to be there and he was so glad to be in their presence that he was thankful and he was encouraged. Metro, if you ever wanna to get to a place where you can demonstrate the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to learn to be thankful and encouraged in all circumstances. Paul was thankful in this circumstance, but we also learn that Paul was thankful in every circumstance. Remember when he was in jail back in Jerusalem and he was in jail, he, he, he was in jail completely beaten literally to death And the guards found him worshiping God, praying, being in this posture of thankfulness and being encouraged. And you and I have to learn to be able to do that. Paul was able to do that in all circumstances, right? That's why Paul was able to write these passages in Ephesians 520. He says this in Ephesians 520. He says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you and I to always give God thanks for everything. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Paul says this, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you, for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for you, his desire for you and for me is to get to a point in our lives where we can give thanks in all circumstances, that is the foundation of how the Holy Spirit Spirit can work in your life in such a way where you can begin to demonstrate his power. Being able to give thanks in all circumstances. We have to get to the point where we can give thanks in all circumstances, no matter what happens. I know that's not easy. I know that can be very difficult and challenging. But there's no way you can demonstrate the power of God when you're not thankful and encouraged. It's just, it's not the place, the Holy Spirit will not use you in a powerful way when that happens. And so it's imperative that we keep pushing forward and keep pressing forward. Sometimes we may not even feel it, but we have to get to the place where we still declare it with our mouth that we are thankful and we are encouraged to be in the presence of God, no matter what no matter what. For Paul, you find that later on in this passage that he invites people to hear the word of God. He proclaims the truth of who Jesus Christ is, and we learn in this passage later on that not too many of them actually believed. A lot of them didn't. That's discouraging, isn't it? I mean, here is Paul waiting to be there for the past three years, and he goes and he shares uh, God's word with them, and very few of them actually believe. But we find that Paul continues, Paul stays encouraged and he continues to be thankful. How do we know that? Because he keeps pressing forward and he continues to do it. Because the very last verse says that Paul for two years, he did exactly that. He proclaimed the truth of the gospel and he also demonstrated the very power of God. And so it's so key for us to get to a place where we can do it. How do we do it? How do we do that? How do we get to a place where we can truly be thankful and encouraged even in circumstances where we are struggling with today? even in some of the hardest situations that we're going through in our lives today. How do we do it? How are we able to do it? Really at the end of the day, how we're able to do it is we can begin to see our life and our circumstances, not through our lens, but through the lens of God. That there is a perspective that God wants you to see. How was Paul able to do all this? How was he able to stay thankful and encouraged even though he, was, he went through hardships? Remember when he, he got bitten by that snake at the island of Malta? I mean, how much worse is it going to get? A poisonous snake bites you. How was the Holy Spirit able to demonstrate his power? He always gave thanks and he was encouraged. Why? Because at the end of the day, Paul knew that God's love was enough for him. He knew it. He knew that no matter what happened in his life, no matter what circumstances he had to live into in his life of that day or that year of his life, no matter what, he knew with his heart of hearts that God's love is enough. That as long as he had the love of God in his life, he could always be thankful and encouraged. Metro, if you ever want to get to a place where you can be thankful in all circumstances, you have to believe that God's love is enough. You have to believe it. You see, for Paul, what that meant for him is that he knew that God's love is enough because at the end of the day, he always saw himself as a child of God. And as a result of that, not even if a viper bit him, a poisonous viper, no matter what he encountered, not even if the Jewish moms beat him to death, literally, not even as he was in prison still, sharing the gospel message with a bunch of people who were quote unquote religious, and hardly any of them believed, no matter what, happened to him, and even unto his death, Paul was thankful and encouraged, why? Because God's love's enough, he knows who he truly is. The demonstration of God's power happens when you and I can be thankful and encouraged in all things. Corey Tamboon is an author, a speaker, she passed away in the early 80s, but I think top five people I wanna meet in heaven, when I go there, is gonna be this Dutch woman. She has simply changed my life this year. If you wanna read a book that, where you see not only the proclamation of the gospel but the demonstration of God's power, you gotta read Tramp for the Lord. That book impacted me in such a deep way, and so much so that I ended up getting the book before Tramp for the Lord, which is The Hiding Place. I read both those books uh, back in July, and it was so deeply impactful. Some of you might know this, I've shared this before, but, but Corey was uh, she's from Holland. Her family were deep, devout Christians during World War II, when the Germans invaded Holland, and Holland was occupied uh, and was under the power and authority of, German, of Germany. And as a result, they came in, they took all the, all the Jewish people to concentration camps in Holland. Well, Corey and her family knew that that was wrong, and so they hid Jewish people. They created this underground ring of, of saving hundreds and hundreds of Jewish families uh, from, from the Germans. And so as a result of that, they finally got caught. Her father, her sister Betsy, and herself, and so they put them into jail in Holland. Father passed away shortly after he was imprisoned. And the worst unthinkable thing could have happened to Corey and her older sister Betsy. They transferred them to Ravensbruck, Germany to the worst women's concentration camp. It was a place where they would kill the women. It was the gas chamber. Hundreds of thousands of women were executed there. Well, they made their way there. They were in these small cells with a bunch of women. They gave them these little old mattresses that were filled dirty with human waste. And the cell was full of fleas and lice. Corey and her sister were so thankful that they were able to, and this is, you you gotta read the book to know how this happened, but they were able to smuggle a Bible into the cell. Now, that's pretty remarkable because in order to get into the cell, you gotta go go in there naked. So they were able to bring a Bible in there. You gotta read the book, and she'll tell you how that happened. Power of God, the demonstration of his power. They always gave thanks to God for this book, because it was the only thing that they had that was of the truest, truest value. Well, they were in cell one day, and Betsy, her older sister, who's also more mature in Christ, said to Corey, We have to give thanks to God for everything. And so they started giving thanks for everything. Corey went along, but at the end she <laughs> Betsy says to her, Um, You gotta give we gotta give thanks for the lice and the fleas. Corey looked at her as believing that she had gone mad and said, I will not do that. Are you crazy? I can't give God thanks for the lice and the fleas. I mean, they were infested with it in their hairs and everything. And Betsy looked at her and said, you must give thanks for the lice and the fleas, Corey." And Corey, as a good little sister, listened to her sister, didn't believe it in her heart, but she did, she said, God, I thank you for the lice and the fleas. A few weeks later, Betsy runs up to her and smacks her in the shoulder and says, you see? And she explains to her, because Betsy's health was failing her, because they had to work really hard, do manual labor at the concentration camp. Because her health was failing her, they kind of put her with a group of women uh, that was in charge of knitting socks and hats. Uh, the winter was coming, and so they wanted to, the, the, the women would knit those for the prisoners. And uh, they put them in this down cell area where it was completely enclosed. There were no windows. It was a dark, stinky, dirty place. And uh, she was able to go there The guards would never dare to go down there, why? Because it's flea and lice infested because it's all in their hair and their clothes. So they wouldn't go down there. They had full privacy and for months upon months, Betsy was able to do Bible study and lead hundreds of women to Jesus Christ. And she looks at Corey and she goes, that's why we give thanks for the lice and the fleas. (laughs) Corey never forgot that because her sister passed away in jail, died in jail, but she was released. And shortly after that, she's a watchmaker by trade. She knew that God didn't want to continue to be a watchmaker, but that God had called her to be a proclaimer of God's truth, to go out and preach. Nobody invited her to preach. She decided to buy a ticket to New York, because God told her that she's going to share the gospel message in New York City. And so she goes. No invitation, knowing no one, and somehow God opens and orchestrates an opportunity for her to begin to proclaim the gospel. Corey slept in homeless shelters throughout her life in her ministry, proclaiming the truth of God and demonstrating His power. You'll read that in, his, in her book, Triumph for the Lord." Corey always gave thanks because she never forgot the lesson of what she learned from her sister at Ravensbrook to give thanks for the lice and the fleas in her life. Metro, what are the lice? What are the fleas in your life that you need to give thanks to God for today? Will you give thanks to God for it? Will you be encouraged for those things? Because deep down inside, if you can, then you will know that God's love's enough because no matter what, you still have them, and you are still a child of God. None of those things ever make a difference in the sense where it should affect how you see yourself and how you see yourself in God's love. Amen? demonstrate the love of God. How you do it is you give thanks to God for the fleas and the lice in your life. Second, we demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit when we capitalize God's favor. When we capitalize on God's favor. Look at verse 16. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Let's look at verse 30. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. We find that Paul experienced some unusual favor here. He was a prisoner, yes, but he was under house arrest. He was able to live in a home where there was a guard that always watched him, and most scholars said the guard was chained to him with a light little chain. They took four-hour shifts and they would change their way, but Paul had as much freedom as he could as long as he stayed in this house. He could invite any guests that he wanted. He lived in God's favor, and I want you to know that favor ain't fair. It ain't. Some of you live in God's favor. You experience God's favor. But here's the thing that we need to learn about God's favor. God's favor isn't just for you. When God pours out his favor upon your life, he wants you to capitalize on it by demonstrating his power. You see, what Paul did here is that he didn't just hang out at the house and relax himself. I mean, he certainly deserved it. He deserved to relax a little bit, right? He could have just chilled out, but he didn't. What did he do? For two years, people came into the house. He proclaimed the gospel message, but he also demonstrated the power of God in this place. God's favor is his compassion. God's favor is his love. God's favor is his grace that he pours upon your life and my life. And many of us live in that favor when we can capitalize on it advance God's kingdom. See, God has given you that favor, not just for yourself, but he's given you that favor so that you can advance his kingdom. So it's not just about you embracing the favor of God. Some of you might even struggle with that because you don't believe you deserve God's favor. All of you in this room, I'm telling you right now, none of you deserve God's favor. No one, not even me, right? Just turn to your neighbor and say, you don't deserve God's favor. You could even do this with your hand, your index finger. You don't deserve God's favor. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it, so get used to it. God still gives it to us. None of us deserve Jesus Christ. He still gave Jesus Christ to us, even though none of us deserved it. And so it's not about whether you think you're worthy to receive it or not. It's about whether you're willing to capitalize on it and advance his kingdom. If you can do that, Metro Community Church, then you can demonstrate his power. God's favor isn't just for you. When God blesses you financially, it isn't just for you. Advance his kingdom. If God's given you a gift somehow, and you're doing it well and, and advancing your career, that's fantastic. But maybe his kingdom could be advanced with the gifts that you have, with the skill sets that maybe he's given unto you. God's favor is given to us, not just so that we can live in it like Paul, but so that we can also capitalize it and advance his kingdom. Then you'll know the power of his favor and you'll know the demonstration of his power. The more you demonstrate the power of God because you've embraced his favor, the greater the capacity that God will use you and show the power of his Holy Spirit through your life. And so that's why it's so important to be thankful and to be encouraged. That's the beginning place. Because when you can do that in all circumstances, then you begin to live in his favor. And I would, I would simply say this, and I hope I don't offend any of you here today, I really don't. Because a lot of times when we think of God's favor, we think of just good, good things. But in my own life, my greatest favor wasn't what God gave to me in that way, but my greatest favor that God has given to me was the pain I had to endure as a kid. Some of the hardships that I've endured. Some of you have endured so much worse than I have in life. But the greatest favor that God has ever given to me that I've been able to live in today, I can say this today, I couldn't say when I was a little kid growing up, was growing up in a home where physical abuse was not necessarily an everyday occurrence, but happened whenever my father was drunk. Living with a deep sense of fear that perhaps maybe he would kill my mother, and living with that fear almost every day of my life. God's favor. I see it as his favor, why? Because God has healed me of that, I see that he's enough, and now he's used it as a platform for my ministry here at Metro. It has been the greatest favor that God has bestowed upon my life, more so than anything else, and it's allowed me, honestly, to grow so that I don't repeat the generational sins so that I can be the father and the husband and the son of God that I can be today. So your favor, whether you may not know this or not, is actually the lice and the fleece that you need to give thanks to today. Because if you can give thanks to it, God could begin to work in your life in such a way where it becomes the greatest favor that not only do you embrace, but you capitalize to demonstrate the power of Jesus Christ in your life. There is power when you can go through those things in life, when you can stand up and people know that you mean it within your heart that God is truly still good and he's a God of love. It is truly God's favor in your life embrace, capitalize on it. Live your life in obedience to God and the more you do, the best you try to do, you will continue to receive his favor and you will be able to begin to capitalize on it. Those who demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit aren't the ones who just take God's favor and keep it to themselves, but they want to share it with the world and demonstrate his power to others. There is a world out there that would love to see you demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit if you could begin to learn to capitalize on your favor. And some of those things you might still consider to look like lice and fleas. Third, we demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit when we guard against a callous heart. Do you know what a callous heart is? I do, because I've had it many times. Look at verse 25. This is a callous heart. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. That's somebody with a callous heart. When you can hear but you don't understand what you're hearing. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. You can see things but you don't really see it. You don't perceive what you're seeing. For this people's hearts, has become callous, they hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their ears, eyes hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and I would heal them. A callous heart is somebody who could never hear from God even though God is speaking to you. A callous heart is somebody who's unable to see the works of God because you're not able to perceive it. That's it. Do you realize every day God is doing, performing miracles in front of you and you don't even know it? Some of us don't even see it because of our callous heart. Some of us don't even know what's happening. Uh, God's speaking to us words of life that he wants you to hear, but we're not able to hear it. You have those bowls, those bowls headphones, you know when you turn it on, like it cancels all the noise out. I mean, try to heal with those things on. It's impossible, because it just sucks everything out. And none of you are, we're not able to hear from him even though we're able to hear because of whatever it is that we might be struggling with in life. It's really, really a hard, hard thing. God is speaking words of truth, I believe, in our own lives, but we're not able to hear it because of our callousness, and that's why it is so foundational for us to get to a place where we can be thankful and encouraged. It is so foundational for us that when we experience God's favor and we live in it, we learn to capitalize and advance his kingdom and when we do that, we can really protect ourselves from having a callous heart. Now the best way in how you can protect yourself from that is that you gotta let God minister to you. Folks, you gotta let God minister to you, okay? So I know advancing his kingdom is ministering for God, but in order for you to not have a callous heart, you gotta make time and space for God to minister to you. And so honestly, silence and solitude is such an important aspect to your own spiritual formation of creating some space where you can just be silent like for two, three minutes a day, maybe twice a day, in the morning before you get up, maybe before you go to bed, just stay silent. You can't hear from God if you keep hearing things. The noise, even Christian music, you gotta turn that off. Silence. I told somebody this week, um, in order for you to really hear from God, you gotta learn to embrace boredom. None of us, we, it's just, I mean, our capacity to embrace boredom today is zero. Why? Because of our phones. If you're waiting online at Costco's, you'll look at your phone to embrace that boredom, right? If you're at the DMV, you will use your phone to embrace, yeah, you'll, you'll, you'll do something to embrace that boredom. Uh, you gotta learn, and, and a lot of you, I know, I know, let's just be honest, okay? Let's put, the grace of, let's put on the hat of truth, all right? For a lot of you, silence and solitude is boring. You think it's boring. It's, I don't do I just, what, just sit there and be quiet? You know how scared some of us can get by doing that because we've never had an opportunity to reflect and think about our thoughts? Some of you, I know you're terrified. You're terrified what's gonna happen if you just sit and you're quiet and you don't do anything because you're afraid that maybe some, some, some demonic powers or something within you is gonna start coming out and you don't wanna reflect because if you do, you might have to start reflecting upon some of the things that you've encountered in your life in the past and you don't want to. But you gotta embrace silence and solitude so that you could begin to hear. Silence has to be your friend. You gotta take a Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath, one day a week where you're actually like turning your phones off. You're doing some things where you can rest. Some of you need to sleep some more, I'm sure. How many of you enjoy that one hour sleep, extra sleep today? Wow, I got eight hours today. I haven't gotten eight hours in a long time. Thank God for that one hour. Some of you need to sleep. When we rest, God is ministering to us. And our callous hearts begin to get soft. Why? Because you're letting God minister to you. As much as God wants you to minister for him in advancing his his kingdom, if you really wanna be able to demonstrate his power, you gotta let him first minister to you. You gotta first encounter that power for your own life. Then you can be a vessel and be used to demonstrate it to other people. That's why for a lot of us, if we're honest, I I don't know if I'm gonna be honest, if it's worth pursuing God if, if you don't hear from him, if you don't see him, if you don't encounter his power, why, why, why do this? Are you still just following him for a benefits package that when you die you want to go to heaven? Is that the only reason why you follow Jesus today? It's bogus, man. That's the only reason why you want to follow Jesus and why you come here? You're missing out on every, you're missing out 99% of Christianity. God wants to use you to demonstrate his power, but first you gotta watch a callous heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Protect it, guard it, put yourself in a position where you're gonna embrace boredom and you're gonna be silent and hear before God. And even if you don't hear God, it's okay. Just keep doing it and I guarantee he'll begin to speak to you. Even though you're so busy and you got so much to do, you can't seem to take a day off of work. It's okay, take a day off of work. You're not God. The reason why you want to work all the time is because you think you are. Take a day off and I guarantee you God will take care of your kingdom. It won't come crashing down. You can take a rest for a day. God is in full control. And when we begin to do that, we'll begin to see him. We'll begin to hear him. We'll be able to perceive the things that we see. Things that you see will be different. You'll start to see people in a very different way than just what you hear from them. God will begin to give you wisdom and discernment in a way that you've never experienced before. Uh, Last week, my wife and I, we went to H Mart and uh, we were shopping, just our weekly shopping. Uh, She and I have been eating a lot more um, uh, greens these days. I've been eating a lot of salads. Not bad, I've actually enjoyed it. And, uh, and one of the things that uh, we do is that we, we try to get the peppers. I love the yellow, red peppers, those, those little ones. They're so sweet. So we try to do that. And, and, and so we go to H-Mart to get all the vegetables because they're cheaper there, you know, and stuff. And so we went, and, sh- and I saw the, the pepper um, bag. Uh, it was on sale for $1.99, but I, I didn't think to put it in because I thought we had some at the house. We get towards the end of the checkout line, and she goes, oh, I forgot the peppers. I was like, oh, well, I, I saw them right at the produce section towards the end of the wall. They're on sale for $1.99, so I said, would you mind and, getting it, and I'll just make sure we, we check out here. She said, sure, so she went she got it. She bought back a bag that was not the peppers that we normally buy. They weren't the long, thin red and yellow peppers. They were like these fat ones that were in a bag. And I said to her, I said, honey, uh, those are not the peppers that you usually buy. And she just said to me, she was no, no, they're, they're the same ones. And I said, no, 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 they're not the same ones. They're, they're very different. These are real fat. You buy the skinny, long ones. She says they're the same. I said, okay. So we go, we check out, and when the woman checks it out, you know, she she uses the barcode, scans it, six ninety nine. Right, and she says it's one ninety nine, and so they sent somebody back there to take a look at it, and they came back and they said the baby peppers are one ninety nine, these peppers are six ninety nine. I said to her, and I said to her, I said, honey, I told you the peppers you buy are these skinny, long peppers, right? You don't buy these fat peppers. I said it probably twice. She started getting very upset at me, and she said, be quiet. I said, all right, and so I didn't think much of it, and so we get out, and as we walk out of, you know, because I'm loud, my voice is not quiet, and so I'm saying this in front of everyone, and so the cashier is hearing this, the people in the back of the line are hearing what I'm saying to her, so I I guess I embarrassed her, and I I, I didn't really notice that I was embarrassing her, because I was so confused, and so we walked out of of HMAR, we're walking to the parking lot, and she goes, what's wrong with you? Why can't we just unpack this when we get into the car and we can talk about it? But I said, but I was so confused "'cause you told me it was the same peppers. <laughs> she said, I meant the same bag. It was the same bag. I said, what? I said, you've got to work on your communicational skills because same thing means same peppers, not the same bag. We got into a little fight, but what was she trying to say to me? She's saying, how come you didn't notice I was getting angry? How come you didn't notice that I was, you were embarrassing me in front of everyone? How come you didn't see that and perceive it, Peter? And because you was all about you, you, were ca- you cared about these little micro details that you humiliated me in front of everyone else. Right? Because you didn't see what was happening. You didn't see I was getting frustrated at you. And I didn't see it all. I was complete because I was so confused. <laughs> I think we're like that all the time. We're so confused about life We're so confused about what's going to happen next. We're so fearful of the future. We're so afraid and we're thinking about the little minutiae of life. And I'm not saying they're not important, but I know they are. But because we're so focused on our problems and things like that, we forget to see what God wants us to see. We're not able to hear what God is speaking to us about. Because we're so focused on these little things. We're not willing to give thanks, no matter what. I had to apologize a day later, because I was still confused. I thought I was right. But I said, I really did embarrass you, huh? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll do better. Some of you have to ask God to forgive you today. And you have to say, I'll do better, God. That I won't let my pain, I won't let my circumstances become bigger than you. And I'm just gonna trust in you, know that your love is enough for me, No matter what, I'm gonna give thanks, I'm gonna be encouraged. If you ever bless me with a favor, I'm not gonna just use it for myself, I'm gonna capitalize it and bless your kingdom. God will protect you from having a callous heart. So rest, embrace silence and solitude. The very last thing, in order for us to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit, is when we are bold, when we are bold, all right, you gotta be bold. Now that you've given thanks in all circumstances, now that you've capitalized, on god's favor you're not just going to use it for yourself right now that you don't have a callous or but you have a soft heart the last step and this is all important you got to do one first two three fourth the last thing be bold be bold verse 31 he proclaimed the kingdom of god and taught about the lord jesus christ with all boldness and without hindrance all right with all boldness and without hindrance if if we want to be in a place where God can use us to demonstrate his power, we have to learn to be bold. We can't be apprehensive about the stuff. Paul was bold. He was bold. He invited people to come. He continued to proclaim and demonstrate the power of God for two years. And then he was released. He was released from prison. He spent a few more years out doing the same thing, demonstrating God's power, proclaiming God's word. Then he got arrested, and then he was martyred around 64 to 67 AD. And Paul would say to you, being a martyr for my faith, I still lived in God's favor. Because he says in Philippians, to live, I guess I still have Christ, but to die is to gain because I am with him forever. We have to learn to be bold, all right? We have to learn to be bold. And so, this week, be bold. Be bold. Pray for people. If somebody shares with you that they're sick, Don't say, I'll pray for you tonight. Say, can I pray for you right now? Lay hands on them and pray that God would heal them. Again, uh, none of this is about you. And I would dare say, this is true, none of us has the capacity nor the power to heal people. None of you have the ability to heal anyone. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. It's Jesus Christ. None of us gets the credit for that. So that's why it can't be about you. It's about Jesus, all right? If He heals somebody through your prayers, fantastic. If he doesn't, it's still fantastic. Because at the end of the day, God decides who he's going to heal, who he's not going to heal. But here's the thing we have to say. Here's the prayer that you have to pray every day. I pray this prayer every single day. I prayed it this morning before I came here. Here's the prayer that we have to pray. Can we put it up there, Tim, if we have it? Here we go. Lord, use me to impart your spirit as long as my character and intimacy can sustain it. That's the prayer that we have to pray every single day of our lives. Lord, use me to impart your spirit, your power, as long as my character and my intimacy with you can sustain it. Once it cannot be sustained by my intimacy and my character, then don't use me anymore to impart your spirit. Pray that prayer. And as you pray that prayer, go to town. Be bold. Pray for healing. Pray that God would use you to bless somebody. Deliver people from the evil spirit. Do what God calls you to do. Now, the book of Acts ends really abruptly. It does, it just says like, you know, Paul just invited people and he kept talking about Jesus Christ, right? He did it with boldness and without hindrance. It really ends pretty abruptly. And I think it does that because Luke wanted to challenge and give us an opportunity, the church today in the 21st century, for the Holy Spirit to write the next chapter in the book of Acts through you, through me. Acts 29 is going to be a chapter that the Holy Spirit will write as you demonstrate his power. You see, when you read the biblical narratives, when you read the Bible, it's history. It's not their history, it's our history, amen? And we are the future, and the Holy Spirit, God wants to use us in our lives to write the next chapter in Acts of demonstrating his power. I wonder what Acts 29 is going to look like in 2020. I'm excited about that, I really am. I usually end every sermon with a story, usually I do. You guys know that if you've been here for a while, but I'm not gonna do that today. I'm not concluding this sermon with a story, why? Because you guys are gonna write it for me. You guys are gonna share and conclude this sermon for us in this church as you allow God to use you to demonstrate his power. He wants to use you in a powerful way. So will you be thankful and encouraged today in all circumstances? Will you embrace God's favor and not only receive it for yourself and begin to capitalize on it? Will you guard against a callous heart? Will you be bold in all things Metro Community Church, Jesus Christ says this to you. Let's put up Acts chapter 1-8, Tim, before we close. Acts chapter 1-8. But you, Metro Community Church, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Englewood, in all of Bergen County, all of New Jersey, and to the ends of the earth. Amen? Amen. Let's go and let's demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. I don't know how the sermon spoke to you, but hopefully it convinced you enough, God did, that he wants to use you to demonstrate his power. And uh, as the last part of the sermon was to be bold, I'm gonna ask you to do something very bold today. If you wanna demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit, not just for your life, but unto the world, I want you to stand up and make that commitment before God today and before this church. And every head bow, every eye closed, not about you looking and seeing who's standing up or not, but I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you that God would really use you to be a vessel where the demonstration of his power can be displayed in such a beautiful way. If that's you, stand up. Stand up boldly. Don't be ashamed of this. This is your promise to God. You know in Hebrews it says that we bring God much pleasure, much joy through our faith. And I hope you have faith in God today. I hope your faith grows and believe that God could use you this week to demonstrate his power. Jesus is going to give you his power today. He says the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He'll do that as you proclaim that he's alive but also as you demonstrate his power. And so I'm just gonna pray for you right now. God, I pray for everyone standing. Right now, I pray for them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall upon them and that you would use them to demonstrate your power to their friends, their families, their coworkers, their students, their fellow students, whatever the world in which you call them to live. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill them. I pray that you would fill them to maximum capacity. They would encounter this power for themselves, but God, that they would also be used by demonstrating this power to the people who desperately need it today. And so would you use them this week, next week? Would you fill them? And I pray, God, that you would give them such a yearning and a passion for your Holy Spirit every day, that they would yearn for it every day, and God, that you would give them faith, greater faith every day to believe in you and what you can do. Help them to be thankful and encouraged today help them to not just embrace your favor but help them god to capitalize and advance your kingdom through that favor i pray you guard them against a callous heart and let them be bold before you i thank you for these men and these women here today bless them encourage them and do not give them a spirit of timidity but a spirit of boldness and that they will go out and act in jesus name i pray amen amen let's give these men and women a round of applause for standing up and saying that they're going to demonstrate the power of god this week amen amen well listen uh, if you have your communication card there's some next steps i just got to go through with you if you wouldn't just mind flipping those over we'll pray for you this week concerning these things that you check off first if you've never committed your life to jesus there is uh, a, new, uh, a new believers table out there we call it the next table please stop out I make sure you go and grab a new believers packet. We will pray for you. We invite you to come and receive prayer before you leave. Second, I will reflect, pray, and share my struggle with a callous heart. Some of you might have it. One of the best ways in how you can soften it is by sharing it and confessing it to someone. Why it's callous today. All right? Third, I will be bold by demonstrating God's power this week. Be bold. God may bring somebody to you. Pray for them. Pray for healing. Demonstrate God's power. All right? Uh, uh, Fourth, uh, Thanksgiving Sunday, November 24th, it's going to be a great celebration. Invite people. We're going to launch a new series on the soul of shame. It's a series I'm not looking forward to because God wants me to expose things to you that I've never exposed to you. And uh, it's embarrassing, but I want to be released from shame. Invite people because I think this series is going to really impact uh, your lives, but lives of people because shame is probably one of the deepest, darkest things, sins that we all struggle with. All right. Last, please sign me up for Connections Dinner on November 17th at 4 p.m. It'll be at my house. If you want to just learn more about Metro Community Church, love to invite you. We're going to eat some good food, fellowship and learn about Metro Community Church. Lastly, for you parents here who have kids that are in the youth group, we need to make sure we're investing in our children's spiritual lives. Your kids' lives will be transformed if you send them to this retreat coming up in January 17th to the 19th, all right? If you have kids in youth group, please think about sending them there. I know sometimes your kids have different extracurricular activities on the weekends, but I'm telling you, this is more important because this is about their soul. This is about them encountering God and the Holy Spirit. And we're really excited about what's going to happen on that weekend, so please make sure you sign up for that.